0: This reminds me of my first experience in radio, it was back in the early 80s. People with disability and mental health. There's always controversy with us.
1: The mysteries of the mind and consciousness. And we might get to the bottom of something or we might start something new. We're going to run the gamut and we're going to have a good time. Waking Braves. No, not Waking
0: Braves, we're Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves. Breaking waves. Waves. Breaking
2: Waves.
0: Welcome back folks, you're listening to Breaking Waves, a show for the neurologically divergent I'm John And
1: I'm Riley And today we are bringing you a new show on the topic of medicine
0: So if we go to the interwebs for some definitions We get this Medicine noun The science or practice of diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of disease. The second definition is a drug or other preparation for the treatment or prevention of disease. And the third, which I like, is a spell, charm, or fetish believed to have healing, protective, or other powers.
1: Yeah, I like that one too because it speaks to... The idea of the placebo effect which we've discussed on this show before and also just the idea of like um your people's minds influencing reality you know so you could be sitting down to have some very non-nutritious meal uh like a cup of soup you know the powdered ones but then you could say to yourself oh this soup is gonna be this really special healing soup it's gonna give me all the vitamin groups that I need. and
0: the- Sure, they're all different kinds of uh, medicines. Mm. Uh, we're all fam- familiar with the pills uh, that the doctor gives you, but there are lots of alternative ways of healing uh, to promote health and well-being. And there always has been, I think, an interest in staying healthy uh, for as long as there have been people uh, roaming around on this earth, I think that's right.
1: It brings to mind an image of a caveman traveling medicine healer with all the trinkets and shawls. Yeah, and like skins. the bones yeah. around his neck, that's and the,
0: like the feathers sticking out yeah, of his yeah. hair, and shaking like a wand with yeah,
1: uh, you
0: know. Ostrich feathers on it, or something, and sprinkling.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, the, the desire for. Um, Potions. For both like disease and the movement towards wellness and healing. I Like so much of what we talk about on the show, it's just inextricable from the human experience. You can't get away from it.
0: And in a very practical sense, uh people have to look after their health in, in, in not only in order to be uh, happy and feel good but to be productive and to contribute to the community they live in. And, you know, I think human existence has always been about uh, tribes and communities and being part of that, being functional part of that. It's part of, actually part of our, our health is because we're social beings and we actually get sick if we get separated uh from our peers and our family, uh, just like ants do. And in fact, if you um, take an ant away and put it in a little jar and supply it with everything it needs to stay alive, it'll just wind down and stop operating and die if it's separated from its other little anti-creatures. And um, I don't think humans are that far different.
1: Interesting, but we can certainly go a long time in the, uh, in the ISO.
0: We certainly can exist in isolation, uh, but how healthy we are, we are in that state is another matter. Uh, whether your life is actually worth living if you live in a vacuum is actually a good question. So there's not a lot of, um, there's not a recorded history we can give to you about the prehistory age of humanity. But certainly, the uh, since people have been writing books, and of course, we started doing this with pencils on bits of paper or papyrus or...
1: Hammer and chisel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, clay tablets like uh, Fred Flintstone did or, you know.
1: uh, Quill and ink is a good one too.
0: Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, that was a way of recording stuff and it really changed, I think, the... um, It would have changed the information Well, the first
1: um, stories was uh, paintings, right, according to that... Cave paintings, yeah, before there was.
0: Sure, the cave paintings go back uh, probably the longest and yeah. petroglyphs, yeah. stuff chipped into rocks. Mm. Um, I don't know how much um, information you can glean then from those kinds of things about uh, an idea like uh, medicine, but certainly health and well being mm. are uh, part of life and they're part of the depictions. From as far back as we can go Mm. Um, But when people started Scratching stuff onto uh, Bits of bark and pieces of paper They started recording And if we have a look One of the characters that pops up um, Is the Hermes Or Hermes Trismegistus Hermes
1: Trismegistus This legendary Figure from the Hellenistic period in uh, classical Greek antiquity, so he's the author of the Hermetica, and um, basically this philosophical system is known as Hermeticism, uh, and it's really focused on the relationship between the spiritual world and the material world, the material and the divine,
0: Now there were many inventions uh, around the time of the Renaissance and one of those world-changing inventions was the printing press. The printing press was a game-changer because it meant that books could be um, mass-produced and they were made available to people and people's literacy would have skyrocketed. Um, and people's access to information about all kinds of things, including health and well-being.
1: Perhaps prior to that, it was, you know, literacy was more reserved to the upper classes or the intellectual elites.
0: Yes, it was... Uh, most knowledge was hidden from the average... Uh, Joe, Jane Doe. <laughs> yeah. It was all word of mouth then. Mm. Um And so how
1: did this impact medicine?
0: Well, around the time of the Renaissance, there were all kinds of reforms and institutions constructed, including, uh, I mean, there have always been schools, but I think that the way that they operate, uh, universities and academia, actually, they started to construct this whole system of training people around that time. And books were important, a part of how that happened. And the other thing books enable, it was very empowering on a personal level to be able to produce a piece of writing, to have it published and sold and to have a lot of people read it. It actually opened up a, whole, a lot of opportunity for people to become wealthy mm. and famous. Now, one such character who appears in the historical records, is a guy named Paracelsus, Mm. who is remembered as being uh, one of the fathers of modern medicine. And I think what they mean by that is that Paracelsus was very interested in the use of minerals and remedies from the natural world. And he also had started to develop alternate ideas about disease and sickness, At that period of time, the predominant uh, theory about how the body operated was a little bizarre. They believed that people were basically made from four humours, they called them, which were kind of these gooey stuff. And the four humours were blood, phlegm, uh, yellow bile and black bile. And depending on what balance you had of these... um, These substances depended on your health and well-being, and so they developed all of these treatments that would try and bring back the equilibrium, hence uh, leeches, bloodletting, and all kinds of bizarre procedures. Now, um, Paracelsus was actually quite a rebel and a heretic at the time. He was born in 1493. His practice as a doctor led him to some quite different conclusions about health and well-being and the application of medicine. And this brought him a lot of strife. He was... (laughs) But the thing was, he was able to still keep practising because of the fact that he was published. He had a lot of books, and his books were very well-received, and he was quite notorious at the time, quite famous... And it had actually a lot of success um, developing treatments for different diseases, uh, syphilis and all kinds of diseases that uh, commonly killed people back then. The bloodletting didn't seem to help. And Paracelsus started to come up with some potions and remedies that he made through a process called spagyric medicine. Now, this is very similar to what's practised currently in natural medicine, in plant medicine. However, there are some fundamental differences and uh, they are how the preparations are made and the basic philosophy about the process of creating medicines.
1: So the this idea of spagyrics it's like to do with cooking, isn't it? To like heating at certain temperatures to like extract the healing properties of certain plants. And-
0: sure essential idea is is to get to the the essence the life essence. So to, to abstract the essence of whatever that plant is to get the actual purified essence of the plant. and that's where they develop procedures of um, not only extracting oils, which we do now. we there are uh, water-based and oil-based, uh, substances in uh, all plant materials, and we can extract them. We do sh- extract them, you know, when you make some um, passion flower or chamomile tea, that's what you're doing. You're getting a little bit of oil, you're getting the water soluble stuff, but what you're missing out on is all of the minerals. Now, Paracelsus was very interested in using minerals. Uh, And this is like the idea of vitamins that we have now, the idea of nutrition that we have now, Mm. that your body needs certain elemental uh, substances in order to function, for your Mm. metabolism to work. So he was really the forefather in this kind of thinking, and he developed a lot of medicines um, based on these spagyric uh, techniques. And the way they get the minerals is to actually take what's left, which normally would be thrown away these days the tea bag and you uh, basically pyrolyze it or you burn it at an incredibly high temperature and what you're left with is a white ash and from that that ash actually contains the raw minerals that that substance was made from and he included those in sprigging medicine you you have the whole uh, essential goodness
1: so john what can you tell us about alchemy?
0: Well, alchemy came before chemistry, really. Chemistry is a pretty new uh, field. It's a pretty new word, and it's kind of a new idea. Our understanding now of elements and the periodic table and how um, uh, how matter, how substances, what they're actually made of, this is all quite, uh, quite a new science. In fact, science itself is quite new. It used to be... Uh, all come under the umbrella of philosophy or natural, natural philosophy. Yeah. Um, you were a, a natural philosopher if you studied f- uh, science three hundred years ago, and it was only really practiced by people who had the time and the resources to do it. So rich t- people, they tended to be rich people, yeah, who in castles who had uh, you know Frankenstein, yeah.
1: So uh, alchemy, the is there an aspect of transmutation?
0: Well, if you if you research alchemy, of course, what you're going to come across is the idea of transforming one material into another. And this was one of the things that alchemists were very interested in, of course, for all kinds of reasons. I guess the greedy ones wanted to create wealth, so they wanted to turn lead into gold. But there were other pursuits in alchemy, like um, uh, along the lines of health and well-being, like eternal life, which is kind of the ultimate <laughs> healthy potion to make you live forever. Do you think they cracked the (laughs) coat? Hey.
1: Do you think anyone's ever cracked the
0: coat? Not that I'm aware of. (laughs) I don't think so. Mm. But, you know, that's like that was one of the holy grails that certainly in mythology and storytelling you'll always find a connection between that idea and and alchemy. But really it was uh, the difference between alchemy and modern chemistry is kind of like... uh, Really, alchemy included a holistic, in the same way that the hermetic traditions uh, treated uh, health and medicine in a holistic way, body, mind and spirit Mm. and emotions, the whole package. Um, These days, uh, medicine is really confined to chemistry, which is really confined to um, matter, Mm. to chemicals reacting in a beaker. Yes, and, and doesn't there's not really real application to the mind, although we have psychiatric uh, psychiatry and uh, the psychiatric sciences, which are a study of largely human behaviour and the manipulation of of human behaviour. But the mind itself is a complete mystery to us still. Um, and yes, there are groundbreaking research being done in mind scientists by um, very clever people, but often they have to do this kind of work, like most outside-of-the-box uh, exploration done these days. has to be done in secret, it has to be done in private, and you can't tell anybody or you'll, you'll lose your job, your funding and your credibility. So the Industrial Revolution started a couple of hundred years ago along with the invent- invention of the steam engine and large looms to weave things and machines of all kinds to make things including chemical plants to make chemicals and medicine (laughs) plants to make medicines. Um, And not only did it affect the manufacture of of goods and substances, but it also affected the manufacture of of people and the way people think in the form of universities and schools, which these days are everywhere and ubiquitous almost. You know, back a few hundred years, um, very few people were literate and educated more simple
1: folks, farmers, and such. So, would it be correct to say that um, we wouldn't have ex- experienced World War One without the industrial, you know, revolution a hundred years before? It's like it kind of laid the foundation for getting things to a point that, like, um,
0: yeah, I think that. Um The industrial revolution probably started back around the Renaissance. They started setting up the framework of the whole apparatus that would bring us to the point where we are now. Obviously, (laughs) it did. The uh, the printing press was the first kind of um, Mm. um,
1: major leap piece of technology
0: that had such a profound Mm. effect.
1: And what kind of changes in the model of illness and treatment and medicine did the industrial revolution herald
0: well certainly the way that doctors uh, were trained completely changed i think the way medical practitioners got their training was much like apprentices like the sorcerer's apprentice the blacksmith the 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 stonemason you know um, you, if you wanted to become a doctor, you went and found a doctor, and you apprenticed to him. Now they might have had different terms for it, but that's the way people learnt their profession. Um, with with the industrialization of uh, manufacturing and education, uh, people got their training as doctors in big universities, in schools, in these. Um, and we've seen it in lots of period movies of the the huge um, auditoriums with the uh, the professor or the doctor down the front teaching all the students dissection or whatever they were doing.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, Like in Frankenstein. It's alive. It's
2: alive. It's alive, it's alive. It's alive. alive. In the name of God, now I know what it feels like to be God.
0: So this completely (laughs) changed... uh, the kind of doctors that were created um, because it, it's, you, you can look at the same thing now that's happened in trade schools where we have tradesmen now that don't apprentice. Uh, they get their qualifications uh, in a classroom and they do exams and <laughs> they get certificates and it's not the same result as, as someone who's apprenticed with a master going out in the field Mm. And, and learned his craft by making mistakes mm. and uh, being um, chastised for it mm. <laughs> and then doing a better job.
1: Well, uh, just hearing you say this, John, what's kind of sprung to mind is how the this kind of model of uh, where it's more based off like the book learning or like the um, everyone following the same kind of information is like less conducive to, um, like innovation in a sense, because if you're out there, like in the field, you know, as you say, like making mistakes and then you could like discover things for yourself as opposed to just like remember and repeating like something at uni.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you could say that about a lot of professionals these days, um, and a lot of professions, there's certainly, their, their, their understanding is based on volumes of uh, material, but the relevance of that material is quite questionable sometimes, obviously. <laughs> so here we are, Riley, we're all industrialised, we've got doctors everywhere, we've got a chemist on every corner. We have um, almost an infinite number of diseases and condition syndromes <laughs> to choose from and uh, Equal amount of uh, pills and treatments and all of these things or most of these things are under the control of the government or the state, under the control of the health department who says what is medicine and what is not medicine and who tells us who's a doctor and who's not a doctor.
1: So this um, post-industrial era... It, what we see is more of a uniform nature, or rather uniformity in the application and acceptance of uh, methods of treatment. And so there's less of an opportunity to address uh, the more esoteric like aspects of health under this umbrella, under this system,
0: yeah, and I guess that makes sense when you think about the way that our sciences have segmented um, into different fields. Whereas before it was all natural philosophy, now you've got you know chemists, physicists, biologists, psychologists, you know, and a thousand fields within and subfields. Everybody specialises, and it's uh, the idea of holistic medicine mm. is.
1: Non mainstream, that's.
0: Yes, the idea that, well, here it is the idea that we're not a bag of chemicals reacting, you know, which is largely what the pharmaceutical uh, medicines are all about. Take this uh, magic Mm. potion, it will, you know, it will fix up your chemical imbalance, right? Everything's a chemical imbalance or. Because
1: you're nothing but the robot pilot of your.
0: Chemical meat sack yeah that 's it. They love the machine metaphor yes. and the chemical to explain you know what we are, but of course living things are much more, and that 's all that is to use a, a mechanical metaphor to explain what we are it might be useful, but it 's limited what, yes, it is limited because we have uh, we have spirit and we have emotions, and we have a mind, and none of these things there aren 't any pills. Uh, that really address those areas of our existence. and this uh, brings us to the idea of um, alternative treatments, uh, of which there are many, and there have always been many. And if you look around and if you open up your mind, um, you can find all kinds of people with different ideas about uh, health and well-being, disease and a path forward from disease to health.
1: And wellness.
0: And happiness.
1: Well, we hope you've enjoyed the show, folks. Before I go, I'd like to give a shout-out to Dr. Victor Frankenstein and Dr. Henry Jekyll, Dr. Strangelove... And Dr. Feelgood. That's it. And... John and I will be back next week. Until then,
0: have a good week. Enjoy the sunshine and the blue skies. Adios.
1: Listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital, local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and
2: healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.